bless you. It's good to see you here on Easter Sunday. You know, I, I, it's funny. I never really, you know, growing up in California, it never occurred to me that it could snow on Sunday or on Easter, you know. But it did. That's all right. Because it's like Pastor Jeremy said, I do think it's beautiful. I mean, who else likes snow? Just, okay, there's, that's good. All right. All right. Well, to, this morning, we are talking about um, Easter Sunday. It's, it's, a, it's one of those days in the year where you know that, that all Christians and all churches are pretty much on the same page, right? We know what we're talking about that day because it's the universal day of, of freedom. It's the day that, that uh, Jesus rose from the dead. And as we're talking about that, you know, it's... it's uh, <laughs> I mentioned this before. I like to read a lot. And one thing that always interests me as I'm reading in the news, they, they always start off something like this. Studies show, you heard that before? And when they say studies show, you know it's true, right? But then I always struggle with it because it seems like I remember the first time I saw a, a story like that and it said, studies show that coffee is not good for you. I'm like, what? Hey, hold on. But I didn't have to wait too long because like a week later, they said, studies now show that coffee's good for you, right? How many are happy about that? Yeah, and the darker, the better. Then they studies show that darker coffee actually has less caffeine and more antioxidants. I'm like, see, if you just wait long enough. And then studies show that chocolate's bad. And again, I'm like, what? How can that be? And then they said, no, 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 no. Studies now show that chocolate's good and dark chocolate's even better, right? Are we happy about that? Okay, then, you know, studies show, it must be true, that fat's bad. But then we find out, studies show that there's actually good fat. I mean, it just seems weird, isn't it? <laughs> good fat, okay. And then cholesterol's bad, right? Studies show cholesterol's bad, but how many know that there's good cholesterol? So now if you get a physical, you go in and they'll say, well, your bad cholesterol's this number, but your good cholesterol, like, whatever. Studies show. But, you know, studies do show things. One thing studies show is that, that most human beings express one emotion more than any other. And I know we'd all love to think that it's love. Love. I mean, love would be the one we want them to show more than others, but it's, it's not. This, the thing that they show more, that most people express more than any other emotion is actually regret. Sad. Regret. And we regret a lot of things. One of the things we regret are words. And words are those things that, you know, you, you speak some words. I don't, you've probably never done this. I have. Where I'll say something, and I'm just like trying to grab it. Yeah. You know, it's like when you're talking to a lady, and you're like, hey, when are you due? And she's like, I'm not pregnant. <laughs> like, oh, man. Or, well, I've done this a lot. I do this all the time. Like somebody will have a little baby, and I go, oh, it's a beautiful lady baby boy. And they're like, she's wearing pink. Like, oh, okay. And all those stupid examples, but the fact is, once we say those things, they're gone. And now in our cyber world, it's even worse, because you can say things on the internet. Not only is it out there, and you can't retrieve it, but it's out there, like, worldwide. And it's out there forever, I mean, you can offend people not just in your hearing, but you can offend people across the whole country. And then you can offend them not across the country, but you can offend them forever. Because some of that stuff you can't get back. I mean, you think you're deleting it. And I know if you follow the news, we've all learned a lot about deleting things. I mean, you just can't delete them. And I remember the first time I heard that, I said, well, no, I hit delete. 
And they're like, well, it's not really deleted. And so this friend of mine who's really into computers, he starts going into all these details. You see what happens is when you say you deleted it, all it's doing is telling the computer that it can now overwrite that information whenever the computer needs it. But since you're not even close to filling up your hard drive, it won't come to overwrite that forever. So that's on there forever. Right, right on. And then he's like, and then there's NSA. And then there's this and this and this and your private servers. And he goes, out like, oh, my goodness, it's out there forever. I had a friend, a good friend. He accepted a job offer from somebody. And this is what he did. So those of you who are familiar with Twitter, he thought his Twitter was new and he was new to Twitter. And what he did was he, he accepted the job offer. But when he did it, he thought he was doing a direct message like only to his boss. But instead, he just put it on regular Twitter, which those of you know, Twitter, it goes everywhere And since he's a friend of mine, I was following him on Twitter, which means I get a text sent to my phone. So like at at, at 12.30 a.m., my phone goes off, and I'm like, oh, I'll see. So I call him the next day. I said, so you got a new job? And he's like, oh, my goodness, it's everywhere. You know, and he's got to go into work, and it's all embarrassing because everybody already knew, and he thought he was being all clever, and it's not clever. Those words, it's like toothpaste. You ever try to get it back in the tube? It's like, you know, our kids called, uh, you know, dandelions wish blossoms. And once you blow those off, you can't collect those things. They're gone. They're gone, and they're making weeds in your neighbor's yard, just like that. We have regrets, sometimes about words that last forever and ever and ever. That's why your mom said, taste your words before you spit them out, and think before you speak, and watch your mouth. I was such a smart, like, I'm like... Okay. <laughs> you know, another thing we regret are thoughts. It's, it's, you can think things, and it's not like words where they're out there, but the problem is your thoughts change your behavior, and then you can regret a minute later, like, why did I even think that? I, oh. I mean, you can think you know when you really don't know, and, and worse, you don't know what you don't know. But you trust those thoughts, and then you get yourself in trouble, and you regret, and... You can find out you're wrong, but you've already done the damage. I mean, you can misinterpret something you thought someone meant, and then when you find out what they really meant, they actually meant it in a good way, but you took it negatively, so you did something that offended them, and now you're both upset and hurt, and you're in regret. And it's deep, and it lasts so long, and sad. You know, some of us attitudes can be so Oh, it's just they shape everything sometimes. And you wake up, and some days you're in a great attitude, and some days you're not. And it seems like you make decisions those days, and they're poor decisions. I've, I've always heard, never make a decision if you're in crisis or, or super emotional, because you'll regret it. It's regret. Regret is that emotion that just haunts us. And sadly, those regrets, usually it's, it's not about just a word or whatever. It's about something we've done. And then those actions come back over and over and over. And it's not new. I mean, human beings have been regretting things as long as there's been human beings. You go back to Cain and Abel. No doubt Cain regretted killing Abel. Esau selling his birthright. And Joseph, his brothers, had to regret. And if they didn't regret all those years when they saw their dad crying because he thought Joseph was dead... For sure they regretted when they're standing there in Egypt and Joseph is in charge and they're not. And Think about Peter regretting. You know, he's walking on water and he looks away and he starts to sink. He's regretting. And worse, when he denied Jesus three times, regret. Doubting Thomas, doubting. And 
You know, regret is different than disappointment. Disappointment is something when you're, you're upset about something, but it's not something you had any control over. Like how many watched the Kansas game last night? You can be, you can be disappointed. You know, it's getting down to seven minutes left, and I'm thinking, man, they're not turning this around. It's not, if they win this, they didn't deserve it. You know, I was like, man, I, I want them to win, but it's not happening. And you can be disappointed, but you had nothing to do with that. No matter how loud you shouted at the TV or the coach or the players or the other players or the refs, Nothing you did had anything to do with the outcome there. That's not regret. That's disappointment. Regret is when we do know that we had something to do with it, and and it was our fault, and we may not own it, but we did it. Regret is about a choice you make, and then because of that, you have a strained relationship or a misunderstanding or a word that's said in anger, and you can't get it back, or an outright bad decision that's left something badly broken could be selfishness that pushes someone away and they, they never, you never get them back, or anger you can't control, or sometimes we've hurt people and we've used people or we've manipulated them and we regret it and we've taken advantage or demanded our rights without taking responsibility for our own actions. I mean, that's just how it goes. But here's something to really understand with that. Every one of those regrets, we see it as a sin against people, and it is on one level, but... On a much more important level, it's really a sin against God. When you have those regrets, one of the reasons you feel like that is something that God put in each of us. It's, it's like a check valve that says, hold up. You're making mistakes that are wounding not only relationships with others, but you're wounding your relationship with me. We don't always recognize it like that, but when we have those regrets and we create situations that cause regret, we're actually doing that against God himself. When we as a church say our mission is to love God, and (laughs) the reason we say that is because that's how God's designed it. He's designed it so that most of the way we demonstrate our love for him is by how we love others. I mean, we regret things we've done, but we don't see the tie-in sometimes to how it offends him. When we violate the standard of love and putting others first and sacrificially giving It's breaking relationship with actually God and others. They're they're intertwined. You can't separate those two things. The way we treat other people is a reflection of how much we love God. Our love for God is, is shown by how we love others. It just works its way out that way in everything. There's, you know, the golden rule is a wonderful thing, but it's it's actually a demonstration of our love for God doing to others what what we want done to ourselves. Telling the truth is about respecting a person enough to to treat them with honesty and to preserve trust. And we have a problem. We as human beings have a huge problem because we all have regrets. Even Even as I've talked about these things and joked about a few of them, I know what happens because with you, it happens the same as me. Even as I'm preaching here, in the back of my mind is a whole other conversation going. And it's, what's happening is it's, it's, it's an accuser, sometimes myself, saying, oh, you mean like when you said this? And when you did this? And I'm like, not right now. I can't deal with this right now. I'm trying to talk to these people. And you're having the same thing happen, where the Holy Spirit is talking to you and saying, yes, when you did this, and yes, when you did that. And we carry those regrets around, and they build up, and they add pressure to us. And then they start to affect us and affect the way we treat other people. And eventually you have this huge debt of regret that you can't pay. 
And most of it is past, and you can't do anything about it, and you can't even talk to the people. And, and sometimes, even if you were to talk to them, either they've moved on and wouldn't have anything to do with you, or some, in some cases they're actually gone and not available, and you carry the regret. You can't undo it. You can't fix it. You can't erase it. You can't ignore it. For the last couple of weeks, we had a chalkboard out, and what we said on there is write some of your regrets And so I asked these guys if they would bring it out here today. Because what you didn't know is as you were writing, we had a camera on you the whole time. No way, we would never do that. Thank you, gentlemen. Awesome. As I look at these regrets, we've been watching this fill up with regrets. You know, and some of them, as you look at them... You know, we do this all the time, don't we? We compare ourselves to other people as if, as if God ever does that. He doesn't do that. He deals with us, us each as individuals. But we compare. We're, we look at this and we're like, oh, I never did that. I'm better than that guy, whoever that is, right? And we think that gets me in more with God. Or we look at this and we think, oh, that's no big deal. I've been there. I've done that. And then some of them, as you look, you think, oh, my goodness. No, I didn't write that. That's not me. Oh, but it is me, because I share these things. Some of them are really serious. Some of them are things that, as you look at it, you realize, I don't know if we could get over that one. Some of it, you look at it and you think, how long have they been carrying that and struggling with that? And how has it affected every other relationship? I mean, some of these are really heavy. Talk about porn, talk about being mean, talk about hate, prejudice, Talk about an affair, talk about first marriage, talk about anger, talk about not going to college, being unfaithful, lying. Oh, man, this is what we do. We carry these things around, and we carry them around, and they're weighing us down. And most of the time, as human beings, we look at that, and we realize, I can't get rid of that myself. I mean, we could try, and that's what we do. We say, okay, I'm never going to do this again. I'm going to try harder next time. And as you try harder, what really that is, is it's really the definition of religion because what religion is, is we say, I can make myself better. I can, I can wipe this one off, but the problem is it's still there and it comes back. Because religion is me saying, I'm going to get better and I'm going to work my way to God and I'm going to get there and I'm going to say, God, look how good I am now and I, I did all this for you and God's going to say, wow, good boy, okay, I'll take you in. But it doesn't work. Because the harder we try, the more we fail and the harder we try, the more frustrated we get and the harder we try, the less and less and less we feel like trying again. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. The good news is God doesn't leave us trying on our own. God doesn't, he's not a God who sets us up with an impossible task and then steps back and says, yeah, try again. You're never going to make it, but try again. That's not our God. He doesn't set us up for an impossible task and say, if you were good enough, you could do it. He doesn't do that. He doesn't set us, us up for an impossible task and then just abandon us and leave us on our own. Instead, what he does is he says, I know you can't take care of this yourself. So guess what? I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to do it for you. And we look at him and we say, God, 
How, how could you do that? It's my problem. I owe the debt. And he says, I know that. And then he who never sinned becomes the sin offering so that we can be made with, right with God. That's what Good Friday is. It was fun looking at different people's posts on Facebook on Good Friday. Why is it good? It's good because he paid our price that day. Why is it good? It's good because a debt we could never pay, he paid. Why is it good? Because three days later on Sunday, he raises from the dead and he validates everything he said. The entire time he was here on earth and he he told people, I am the bread of life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And he told them over and over and over all those things. Raising from the dead actually proved it and put an exclamation point on it and said, all those things I told you are true. They're all true. And yes, I paid the price for your sin. And because of that, on Easter Sunday, not only do I raise with, for a, with a new life, but you can raise with a new life. You can have a fresh start. What God does is this. We look at all those regrets, and he takes them, and he says, they're not there anymore. Completely gone. Not partially gone. Gone, gone. In the Old Testament, those sacrifices were good, but all they did was cover up the sin. He doesn't do that. He literally takes it on himself and takes it all away. Everyone, big, small, everyone, they're gone, 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 gone. They're gone, never to be remembered again. (laughs) You're going to have a regret from time to time, but when you take it to him, even that is gone. That's what he does. It is gone, gone. It's wiped clean. Everybody who comes to him is a new person, a brand, brand new person. And he says in first, 2 Corinthians 5, he says, he died for everyone so that those who receive new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone a new life is begun. Amen. That's awesome. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to himself. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Skipping to verse 21. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to the, be the offering for our sin, the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That is the entire message of Easter. It's an amazing, amazing thing. Amazing. And I was always erasing those. I don't know how many of you really wrote ones on there. Maybe you walked up and said, oh, mine's already on there. There were some on there two or three times. But some of us might be sitting here and say, even though I have a clean slate, my, my regrets are too big. People have told me that before. They said, Pastor Dennis, you don't really know me. 
They say, and, I, and this always, it makes me feel kind of funny, I don't know, kind of, kind of sad in a way, and they'll say, the, the comparison, then they'll say, you don't know what I've done. And then they'll say, you don't understand because what I've done is way worse than anything you've done. And I look at them and I say, you know what? Here's a great thing about my God. He judges us each individually, and he doesn't compare us. You may have heard this before, and I love this saying, that the ground at the foot of the cross is level. We all stand there as sinners, and we all look to him for salvation, and he gives it to each of us as we deserve and need. Even in the Old Testament, it says this in Psalms, the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. And I love this line. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him as as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Never to be remembered again. And in the book of Isaiah, I love this too. It says, I have swept away your sins like a cloud. I have scattered your offenses like the morning mist. Oh, return to me, for I have paid the price to set you free. He paid the price to set us free. Maybe you've been sitting here today and you thought, Pastor Dennis, it's all fine, but when I live my life the way I live it, I'm just going to be coming right back to the board and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to write something else up there. And you think, I'm going to do it again. I, I don't want to sin, but I can't change. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I'm so stuck. I can't change at all. Maybe you're thinking that today. But here's the beauty of it. Like I said before, God doesn't expect you to work for it and for you to make the change. It not only does he not set us up for failure and tell us to just deal with it, not only does he do that, but he goes a step further. And like I said, he pays for it, but then he doesn't leave it there. I feel like one of those salesmen. But then, there's more. Then he helps you live for him. He does the work for you. He does it for you. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have any part in it. What it means is as you want to follow him, he works in you to make that change happen. He does it. He does that. Here's here's what he says in the book of Ezekiel. I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. That's what I want. I want a tender, responsive heart to him. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. You know what that does for us? That gives you a clean slate. Whatever was there before, whatever you walked in here with today, you can leave that here. That's not just for people who aren't even Christians. That's for everybody. Whatever you came in here with, you can leave it here. And then you can partner with him, the king of the universe, who wants to work with you for you to change. He wants to do that. That's his heart, is to see you different today. And not only today, but every day going forward. He frees us to live a life free of regret. He replaces our stony, stubborn heart and puts in there a tender, responsive heart. Then he also puts his spirit in 
so that he can guide us and to help us to live for him. I need that. I need that in this world today. If I could have the worship team join us. Easter validates all of this. You realize none of this would be true if he didn't raise from the dead. If he said all those great things and then stayed in the grave, he would be just a good teacher. I mean, some people think that. Well, he's a good teacher. Well, see, the problem with that is a good teacher wouldn't claim to be God if he wasn't really God. He wouldn't be very good. He would be deceptive and, and, and sad. But the fact is, he's real. He's real today, and he's here to change you. I wanted to read to you a, a testimony of a former atheist. It's an Australian uh, scientist named Dr. Bird. He says, I grew up in a secular home in suburban Australia where religion was categorically rejected. It was seen as a crutch, and people of faith were derided as morally deviant hypocrites. That kind of hurts, doesn't it? Morally deviant hypocrites. Many years later, however, I read the New Testament for myself. He read it for himself. The Jesus I encountered was far different than the deluded, radical, even mythical character described to me. This Jesus, the Jesus of history, was real. He touched upon things that cut close to my heart, especially as I pondered the meaning of human existence. I was struck by the early church's testimony to Christ. In Christ's death, God has vanquished all evil, and by his resurrection, he has brought life and hope to all. Then he says, when I crossed from unbelief to belief, all the pieces suddenly began to fit together. I'd always felt a strange unease about my disbelief. I had an acute suspicion that there might be something more, something transcendent. But I also knew that I was not told to think that. I knew that ethics were, not, were nothing more than aesthetics and a mere word game for things I liked and disliked. I felt conflicted when my heart ached over the injustice and cruelty in the world. And then he says, faith grew from seeds of doubt, and I came upon a whole new world that for the first time actually made sense to me. To this day, I don't find faith stifling or constricting. Rather, faith has been liberating and transformative for me. It has opened a constellation of meaning and beauty and hope and, and life that I have been indoctrinated to deny. And so has begun a lifelong quest to know and study and teach about the one whom Christians call Lord. I'm going to ask you to do something. We, we do this a lot at church. I'm going to ask you to just shut your eyes for a minute. The reason I do it is because I found that just like little kids who say, hey, you can't see me, we, we, can, feel a sense of, we can feel a sense of privacy in a room like this. Because I'm going to ask you just a couple questions, and I want you to respond to them, and I want you to feel like you can respond honestly without worrying about what anybody else thinks. talked a lot about regrets, and maybe as we've been talking, you've, you've felt kind of a tinge of, of pain, or maybe, maybe like me, you've had a face flash before your eyes, somebody that you regretted something that you did or said, or an attitude or something. We call that sin, and it, now as you've sat here, if you realize it wasn't just a violation against those people, but it was really against God himself, and maybe you're thinking here, I need some help with this. I have good news for you today. He writes them all off. He erases them forever. As we heard today, he takes those regrets and he can, 
He can forgive them and, and send them as far as the east is from the west, and they will never, ever be remembered again. Let me just ask a quick question. Is there anybody in here today, like for the first time, you would like to clear up all those regrets? Anybody at all? If you would just raise your hand really quickly. We're just going to pray with you. I do see the hand in the back there. Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you very much. Let me ask a broader question. For the rest of everybody here in this room, I'm wondering, would anybody else just be honest between you and God and just say, I'm a Christian and everything, but I have some regrets that I need to clear up between he and I today. Anybody like that? Just raise your hand really quickly. There's hands all over the building. Appreciate your honesty. We all need freedom from regrets. Here's what we're going to do for those two or three who had raised their hand that they wanted to become Christians today and they wanted to clear up all those regrets and start a relationship with God. We're going to pray as a group, all of us together. I'm going to ask you all to stand. We're going to pray a prayer together, all of us, and I just want you to repeat after me. This prayer is just a simple prayer that just admits that we need him to to take those regrets away from us, and we want to invite him in our heart. And those of you who raised your hands, if you would pray this with all sincerity, knowing that God hears every word, let's, let's pray together. Repeat after me. Father God, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. All of those regrets. I want to get rid of all of those this morning. I want you to take those from me. Give me that that new heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here's what we're going to do. I've asked the worship team if they would just play some music for us. If you are one of those who raised your hand, I'm going to invite you down. But what I'd like is for our pastors, their wives, the board, their wives, prayer team, if you would come down and be ready to pray with some people. And if you would like prayer for anything, for one of those regrets, maybe you're one of those who have raised your hand for to become a Christian today or anything at all. We just want to invite you to pray and we want to pray with you. So God bless you.